0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to No Particular Hurry. Today I talk to Keith Williams, a basketball trainer and skills coach He's worked with some NBA and WNBA legends, all-stars and players like Kevin Durant, Gilbert Arenas, DeMarcus Cousins, Shamika Holtzgloss, Steve Francis, Monique Curry, Elena Beard, and of course, you probably know him best for being described as the trainer, mentor, and father figure for former Sixers' number one overall pick, Markel Fultz. The Fultz situation is still one of the biggest inflection points in the Sixers' modern era, but also one of the biggest mysteries in all of sports. In this interview, Williams and I talk about the current progress of DeMarcus Cousins, Markel Fultz's loss of a jumper, the evolution of that story, the pre-draft process with the Celtics and Sixers, potential injury situation or mix-up, what Williams thinks are the root causes of the issue for Fultz, some of his experiences with the Sixers coach in front office, and a whole lot more. You definitely won't want to miss this one. Without further ado, let's talk to Keith. What's going on, Keith? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. You know, doing as well as I as I can do these days. Tough time for everybody, right? How are you, how's you, how are you doing? How's your health and all that and family?
1: I've been good. COVID hasn't really hit my family that much, so we've been blessed. Thank God. Okay. We've been blessed. And what are you working on these days? Well, right now I'm in, I'm in Santa Barbara, California, working out with Boogie. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Trying to get him back. He he actually looks really good already, but hoping he can land in a great spot and he'll get an opportunity to showcase all his ability again.
0: Now what what stage is he in right now? Is he? Would you say he's rehabbing? Is he working on everything? Is he cutting?
1: No, everything. He's doing everything.
0: everything. Mm-hmm. How's his knee? How's his ankle?
1: I think it seems to be well. It's coming along really well, given the fact that. You know, the season probably won't start to January, so he's got plenty of time. Yeah, we learned that today, right? Could be a while He'll have a long layoff.
0: It's been a while since he's played, too, right?
1: Yeah, about a year, basically, um, since he's played, yeah. How's
0: his, uh, how's his spirits these days? Is he maintaining spirits?
1: He's a fighter. He's always been a fighter. I think he's always proved um, a lot of people wrong. People thought that he was going to be some type of thug. But at the end of the day, he's an emotional kid. But at the end of the day, he's a good kid. So, no, nah, everything is pretty good. He's good. He just got married a year ago and got another new baby. So, he's a father to three. And oh, wow. A husband. Yeah. A husband. So, you know, life moving around along the way it should.
0: Yeah. What, what would you say you guys are working on the most these days?
1: Post moves, jump shot? No, nah, just... Obviously, the game is three-point centric now, so we, we're definitely getting up a lot of threes. And he was shooting a lot uh threes when he was in uh, New Orleans, you know. A Last lot of time people, on there, he was, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize he actually was playing better than Anthony Davis, even though they're playing on the same team. He was actually in the running around, you know, midseason for uh, MVP because he was, he was averaging like 26, 27, 13 rebounds. Five and a half assists. He was really playing well. Now you've you've known him for a long time now, right? I've known him since he was in the tenth grade. Yep, yeah? tenth, eleventh. He's family 12th. to me. Mm-hmm.
0: I remember reading. Maybe it was Sam Amick wrote a piece about how you guys were working on boxing and some of the. Oh items. yeah,
1: yeah. Sam wrote right, he wrote a great article and gave me gave me some extra shine. Appreciate you, Sam, on that. Still my <laughs> guy. Still my guy.
0: Would you say, do you, what would you say to somebody who, who actually wants to be a skills trainer? Would you say that there's a, a personality that you look for? Is there something, because I know you've, you've kind of seen an evolution, in, at least in Boogie, as he's grown up over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what did you first see in a guy like him or, or Kevin Durant or even Markel Fultz at a really young age that you look for and you think, you know what, this could be a max contract player one day?
1: Uh, I think drive. Their drive, their competitiveness, you know what I mean? And they ultimately... um, It's just something different about the kids that can be special. And all of them kind of got it in them. Funny enough, all three of those kids were primarily not raised by their dads. Huh. And if you do some research... It seems like those kids tend to be, you know, a little more hungry than the kid with two parent homes, yeah. i.e., Derek Rose or LeBron. I mean, you can go down a line; it's a whole bunch. What do
0: you What do you attribute that to?
1: I think most of those kids are always trying to prove to themselves that, you know, you know they don't need their dad at that point. Obviously, all of them, quite sure, wanted their dad to be around, but. After so many years, I think all of them realize, you know, I, I can do this myself and I want to show him the world that I can do this. You think it's like a uh,
0: an added hardship that gives you extra
1: to prove? Oh, definitely, but more definitely, of a definitely. Definitely. And I think that's going to change because the NBA is full of uh, kids now that come from middle class to upper middle class to rich to actually make the NBA now. It's not as many kids coming from the inner city. You know, that they're doing stories about a kid coming from the hood. You mm-hmm. just don't see that anymore now. Do you think it's, it's
0: harder now than it was to do that?
1: I think, I think there's no coverage of cities, basketball, mm. anywhere.
0: Mm.
1: I think the private schools, which means the kids are connected to some type of money. I think those are the schools that produce those type of kids now. What
0: about some of the, the women that you train and the girls that you train? Like, I, I think you worked with Shamika Holsklau, right?
1: Yeah, I've been blessed to have Shamika, who I still think is the greatest ever. She didn't finish her career the way she should have, but I still think she's the greatest they ever played. I had Monique Curry, uh, Elena Beard. I've had a whole bunch of McDonald's All-America's, Marsh Strickland, uh, Marissa Coleman. So I've been blessed on that side as well. have some really talented young women uh work under me who, who who would you say had the best crossover you ever coached <laughs> best crossover probably steve francis steve francis
0: Uh huh. yeah he was pretty quick huh yeah, he's real
1: magnetic and then he you know he really wanted to get to the rim you know some people do uh crossover for show but he was trying to get somewhere and i think that's what made it so special does
0: donovan mitchell ever remind you of him
1: some, especially with all the two footed finishes, I used to get on Steve about. You know, you're quicker when you can jump off one foot, but really they, they're very similar. He, yeah, uh, that's what made me think of that—the two legged jumps. Mm-hmm. Donovan's probably not shifty, but he got time. He got time to get better, but not as quite. His shifty, jump shots Steve is right. there though. Yeah, jump shots probably better. Who
0: would, Who would you say is the prospect that you've personally taken the farthest?
1: You know, like, I mean, you know, you put your stamp on this, on this student. I mean, obviously, Mark because I spent the most time with him, you know, not so much in the gym, but, you know, just him being around me. So a lot of my mannerisms, I think he picked up, like most young men, when you're around them, somebody older, you pick up on their ways and stuff. But I think, I believe that's what separated me from a lot of trainers today is that, I've put in a lot of time with guys and and been able to to uh, affect them beyond you know beyond the basketball court.
0: especially because if you read anything from Washington Post to the athletic you were always referred to as trainer mentor father figure for a player like Markel Fultz and you talked about when a player doesn't have a father there's that extra hunger do you Mm -hmm. think having that connection made it easier to work with you or harder to work with you
1: uh, mm-hmm. I think it made it easier for him to trust me. I think, I think kids that they don't have that far run, they don't trust men as well because the most important man in their life wasn't there. So I think, hmm. I think it's more of a trust issue more than anything. Yeah, that's
0: interesting. And you were you were working not too long ago with Hashim to be, right.
1: I was. How's he, he doing? Good, He's good. I think. I think his time passed by, I don't think a lot of people hmm. gave him a great opportunity, but we had a couple of opportunities. We were in Charlotte for an all-star break, uh, what was that, two years ago, and about seven teams came out to watch. And um, a couple of them, you know, enjoyed what they saw and they wanted to see it again. But uh, I think the game and time just passed him by. But I'm as thankful. At one, point, at
0: one point, the Sixers gave him a workout not long ago, right? They did. They did, they did. Did you, uh, did you coordinate with that with him? I did, yeah. Was that awkward? Did you, you, cause you didn't always have a clean relationship with Sixers, right?
1: I mean, business is business. Like I'm not gonna put the kids chances out of the way because I got an issue with Philly. At the end of the day, my situation with Philly it was, it was business. They, they was trying to protect themselves and you know they they had to have a fall guy, and I guess I was that guy at that moment
0: that, I mean, I think that's almost an understatement. Fall guy at one point you were like you, if you saw your name on Twitter, you were a villain in Sixers Land, right
1: Yes, yes,
0: what was it? it was pro- i mean first of all, we read when they were trading up and drafting markel we we would first read very, very positive articles. But once it started to come out that he was having problems shooting, that's when I think Brian Colangelo first linked you publicly, right? Is mm-hmm. say something like maybe they were working on changes, and I don't know if an irritation in the shoulder occurred. Was mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that the moment you realized that they were going to um, maybe suggest that you had the most to do with this problem in his jump shot?
1: In actuality. I- one of the uh, Philly writers warned me the day before, you know, that they're gonna blame you. So you got a I heads kinda, up. Yeah, I did get a heads up. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty laid back, so I took it almost as a joke. Like, okay, where's the proof? You know, and I even went on a couple of radio shows and was like, why would I'm the guy that helped perfect the jump shot that made him the number one pick. That was, a, that was a deciding factor in why he went number one, because he was a, he's probably the best freshman shooter ever in terms of off the dribble and catch and shoot. He was, he was really, uh, you know, spectacular. So why would I change the one thing that separated from every other prospect was that he was a point guard. They could get shots off over seven footers from three-point range, you know what I mean? His length is his greatest asset. And even if I did change, let's just say I did, why would I move it down to his shoulder? I mean, certain things just don't make any sense. And I was wondering when anybody was gonna be sensible about this whole situation.
0: So my, my understanding is that a lot of, a lot of prospects on their way into the league, will tinker around with their jump shot. I mean, Drew Hanlon openly talks about, I worked with Jason Tatum. He was blocking his line of vision. We moved his release point. And it wasn't a good thing, right?
1: But that's just talking, though. And listen, I'm I'm not negative in any way about anybody else that's in this business. But I will say people do a lot of talking to hear themselves talking, to put something out there. I saw Jason Tatum. He's primarily got the same shot. He's He's got a little bit of left to right going on in his shot. You know what I mean? He, he comes from left to right. Now, he can make shots, but is that the most proper way to shoot? Probably not. So I'm not sure how much changing they did with his shot. You know, and again, no knock on Drew, but Drew was the same one that said Markell was back. His jump shot was back. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. you know, five games in, we realized that it wasn't. So again, I'm not trying to attack anybody. I'm just trying to deal with facts. Um, but yeah, during the process, you're trying to improve things with a kid, but raising that shot from going high to low and you're one of the smallest guys on the court makes no, makes no sense.
0: Right, right. I think what we read was, uh, there was a report from Derek Bodner of The Athletic who said, eventually by this was now, I think February of 2018. And he said significant alterations had been worked on to speed up the release to move his dip, which was at his left hip, maybe to the right. And that you acknowledge a few minor alterations like limiting his dip.
1: So the dip was the only thing and the dip wasn't left or right. It was, it was whether he catches the ball and drops the ball below his waist before he releases it, Mm -hmm. or do you catch it and you go right into your motion? And, and that's a minor thing that a lot of kids, after years, they get it. You know, I tease Demarcus now. He would never do it. But now he's older, and now he does it the proper way. And that, was, that wasn't a big deal. But, again, Derek Warner, I, I believe, but we, we were able to talk on the phone. And he was able to admit to me that, yeah, Keith, you're right. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about your training. You know, and then he was basically going on what somebody else was saying, you know, but it wasn't any real information out there um they could prove otherwise. So
0: were you working on changing his shot when it started to uh deteriorate?
1: No. No, he really didn't have any issues um with his shot. A couple of days before he moved to Philly, his shot was fine. So it it wasn't any issues with his shot. But again, I put the kid first, so I, I might have cleared my name, but they would have made the kid look crazy. And I thought that it was something that could be worked out. Obviously, to this day, it hasn't been worked out. You know what I mean? It's jump shot beyond 15 feet is really funky at this point. Um, and like I said before, and people always take it the wrong way. You know, if you say somebody's got a mental problem, people always think that means you're crazy. And, No, it means you, you probably need help with something. You might need to talk something out with some professionals. We all have our own issues and and it don't got to be basketball. One thing people always say, well, why is it shot? Like I tell people, you got an issue, whether it be mental or drugs or whatever. You're not the same person and drugs don't affect each person the same way. The same way, um, you know, mental anguish and mental anguish does not affect each player the same way. And the beauty of it is, you know, DeMar DeRozan came out and spoke on it. Kevin Love came out. I think Bradley Beal. So it's it's a real thing, obviously in the NBA now. Paul George doing the bubble. I felt like if um, I felt like if I like would embrace that aspect i think he i think he would be the shooter he was at washington because if you look at him in washington video he would say nothing's wrong with this shot nothing at all so to 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 say that anybody not even me but anybody would change it to the extent it was changed again it makes no sense
0: and so to your eye because there you know there were people who I know you've got a good eye, like you work with Kevin Durant's jump shot, you know, jump shots, even mm-hmm. though, even though you would say it was generally okay at summer league and beyond mm-hmm. it, it, wouldn't you have noticed some difference after his, after Washington and before summer league?
1: I mean, I mean, it, it wasn't any difference. As you know, he led, you know, people forget he led Utah in scoring and Donovan Mitchell was there. So who ended up having a pride best rookie year of anybody. And Markel was playing limited minutes in some of the, he averaged 22 a game and some of the on limited, he might've played 28 minutes, maybe. So to to
0: your eye, it looked the same at that point.
1: Yeah, he was, he was taking step back threes. If you remember the game, he really played well in Utah. I mean, I would say fundamentally, everything was fine.
0: And what about the, what about the reports about the pre-draft process, um, some people said, you know, a source, I think it was the same Derek Bodner article, a source, maybe it was in Boston, noticed that there was a difference in his shot. And you said in your own Weitzman's book, Tanking to the Top, uh, he didn't necessarily play that well. He was kind of nervous. There were some white people staring at him. It was like a quiet gym.
1: Well, it, was, it wasn't It was so much the white people, this older gentleman in general. So like talked about yeah, it was a nineteen year old. It was his first workout. It's only myself and him. Um, he didn't play great. I'm not gonna dispute that. He didn't. But what was,
0: what was the workout like? Was it just him alone shooting?
1: Yeah, it was tough. I mean, Brad Stevens ran so it, so they didn't baby him in any way. I mean, he played one on two, full court. You know, you, that's something you don't see.
0: Who did he play against?
1: I can't remember who they were. At. Um, they weren't pro guys, but I'm just saying it was two guys out there. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was pretty tough. Um, what was the rest? That was like a two day thing, right? What was the rest of that like? Well, honestly, and people don't realize the day before allegedly they 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 wanted to say that Markel had a, a torn meniscus. Huh? This is what they said. And Danny, that's what Danny said. And I, unbeknownst to them, is I had all his his paperwork, you know, in my phone. And I'm like, he got a torn meniscus, Danny. <laughs> he got a torn meniscus. I'm like, I have the information. And he's never had a torn meniscus. He got his knee scoped, cleaned out some stuff, but never had a torn meniscus. So then after that, Danny called 15 minutes later, talking about, oh, that's why I look like that. I'm like, come on, Danny. Like, I know you think I'm not an agent, and so I don't know what's going on. But I was always, already prepared for anything uh, surrounding his knee. It was, it, it, it was something – people knew something was wrong. Obviously, he missed all them games at the end. But they didn't know what, and so they were guessing what it was. And to, and to our credit, we kept it – you know, he got his scope, and we kept it low until he was back on the court again. So nobody really knew. They knew it was something. But again, to just lie and say he yeah, had torn meniscus, and then I tell you, no, that's not true, because I got it in my phone, and then you say, oh, that's why it looks like that. And this is coming from his doctor, you know what I mean? And so it was, it was, you know, along the lines, um, it was stuff like that in that process, even once the trade was made, and we had to go um, to, into Philly, I guess Danny or somebody said it was something wrong with his wrists. And so before the trade could be totally together, which was a couple of days before the draft, they had to do an MIR on his wrist, It came back nothing. So that was process. that was with Philadelphia? Yeah. but they, that was that was going on a tip they got from Boston. So um, you know, it was an interesting process. I know that myself, I did it differently. From what people are used to doing, they used to dealing with agents and people who, you know, work by numbers. And I was just trying to make sure that the kid was taken care of the best he could be taken care of. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't bothering their business when we first got the feeling. Nobody said nothing bad about me. Matter of fact, it was all glowing. I was, they wrote stuff, they talked to me. So, you know, it wasn't. it, It was a situation I felt like once. Once Markel, things didn't go the way everybody wanted. I believe they, you know, they kind of quit on the kid and they, they had to make, they had to have a scapegoat. and I was that scapegoat.
0: People always talk about how the Sixers front office and the Sixers management has a lot of voices. Did you encounter that?
1: I will say that I learned that the head coach never wanted Markel. He didn't. Because he he had pretty much promised Ben Simmons that he would be the point guard.
0: Mm. Who did he want?
1: I, I, I'm not sure who he wanted, but he didn't want Kelly to interfere with with that. And then Brian really wanted Markel. So you got some infighting there. You got you got the head coach having a better relationship with ownership than the GM. Interesting. And so I think. That was the beginning of, you know, kind of where it went. You know, it kind of went sideways, but it was really everybody covering their ass and nobody, you know, again, it's a business, but nobody cared about Marquette at that point. If he couldn't produce the way they needed him to produce, then they were going to throw him under. Look at it like this. Who in their right mind? Now, when Isaiah Thomas was coming back from injury, nobody ever saw him shooting around. Nobody. We didn't see him till it was game time, right? Tell me why the Sixers allowed media to film Markel every day.
0: Even JJ Reddick had a problem with that, right? C-
1: correct. Because it was wrong. And all they was trying to do is make him look bad. Um,
0: you think they wanted us to see that his shot didn't look good in practice?
1: I think they was trying to build a narrative. Something that they did. But nobody – why would you expose your own player? I told Markel, and obviously at this point, you know, you got infighting. You got – you know, you got his mom. You got the agent. You know, everybody wants me out of the way. So there, nobody's listening to what I got to say. But I told Markel that he shouldn't. Why did they I want you out of the way? I think they was worried about a control thing. And I'm not even – anybody who knows me, that, that ain't who I am. I'm too laid back. Why you think you got so crazy? Because I let it happen. I could have protected myself a lot sooner. You know what I mean? I I, I got enough clout. I got enough big clients that I could have had people speak on my behalf and say, "Hey, that's not true." But you know, Markel's like a son to me. No matter what what happens, I'll always love the kid and always root for the kid, no matter what. And and I and I'll go down with that. You know what I mean? I'll go down with that, saying, "Hey, I did the best by the kid." But they exposed him, and they continued to do it. And even when things didn't add up, you know, they they never turned around. Obviously, we know Brian got lost his job because of you know being being an idiot. You know what I mean? You already threw one. Pile of dirt on me now. You're trying to do it by Twitter, and he even tried suggested me and the mom were sleeping each other. It just it got weird, you know what I mean? But yeah, the Twitter burner accounts,
0: the Twitter yeah. burner accounts said that you had a relationship with his mother that really upset him, and that right. you were working with a chair and had him shoot laying down. And then that became a thing for Sixers fans on Twitter to say, "Oh keep yeah, but
1: that those are regular drills that people do." I mean, you can you can Google on your phone right now. Uh, they had a Sixers, a, a guy from Philly who's supposed to be some type of shooting group. He had the same drill, <laughs> the same exact drill, you know. But again, they 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 built a the narrative, and these fans are so hungry for information. And I I didn't fit the bill. You know, what I mean, I didn't I didn't fit what people thought they wanted to see. Uh, uh, They I think they want to believe I was some AAU guy that got lucky with a good player. Not realizing that nobody knew Markel was nobody. I was I was taking Markel at 11, 12 years old to boogies games when Boogie was a rookie. He's side front row with me, you know what I mean? So, I believed in the kid a long, long way before anybody did. And um, I'm the one that told everybody he to be the number one pick. Nobody else believed it. And um, we were able to do a miraculous thing. And the state of Maryland, is as great as the state of Maryland is, he's the first number one pick. So,
0: I mean, those are things that you can't dispute. He was number one
1: for a reason. And I'm I mean, not he was, saying. He was good. He was. Yeah, I'm not, and I'm not saying I'm the only reason the kid worked hard, and the mom tr- at that point trusted me, and that's why we got there. But the reality is that why is he not one of the top players? Man, it's only one thing that's been omitted, and that's me. And I'm not saying I'm interested in John Backen's life because a lot has transpired. Um that tells me that's not where I need to be in my life. But, I mean, I'm the common denominator that's not in the picture anymore. Leading up to this, I I was the one pushing the buttons. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
0: At one point, the the Sixers did not want you around him, right? And that was pretty early on in his Mm -hmm. his first year. Uh, But Mm -hmm. we're still working with him. You guys had like weighted balls and he still wanted to work with you at that point right
1: it was no weighted balls that was a lie oh that was it was it was just different balls basketball kickball you see what I'm saying? just it was just something to try to get past what he was dealing with but just it was not. to weight. get that motion that's it that's it I like. You know, if, can, if you can do it with a light ball, you can do it with a little bit heavier ball. But there was no weights on any balls. That was a false. The same way all these bullshit injuries he allegedly had. You know, if I like I said, if if just me, my methods were wrong, then why is it three years now, three years later, and he's still not shooting the ball? So what? Can anybody your, explain that?
0: What was your opinion when you heard? Karam Butler said he was diagnosed with scapular dyskinesis or later thoracic outlet syndrome.
1: That's two different things, right? So which one is it? And of course, both of those diagnoses are diagnosed of, 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 of it's nothing else that's got to be this.
0: Do you think he ever had an injury, physical one?
1: Nope.
0: No. Do you you think he thought he did or still does?
1: I think he got caught up in doing what people around him told him to say and do. He's a young person, you know, it had to be strange um, for him. I'm sure because up until that point, he only, in terms of basketball, he only had to to listen to my voice. And so now he had to listen to numerous voices. And my voice wasn't there, so I think, I think it was almost a comfort to him to kind of hide, you know, to mm-hmm. almost become a different person. If you look at who he was leading up, we did all interviews. We never ducked any of the interviews. We talked to everybody all the time. You did a lot of interviews when he was a senior, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the beauty of him, you know what I'm saying? And, that, you know, that's, that's what they want superstars to be. They want to be able to talk to you. But obviously after after that, you know he was kind of you know he wasn't talking to nobody what what did you Social. think
0: what did you think when um when Joel and b went public with some vague comments and said, "I don't know about all the people in his life. maybe there's some people that are a bad
1: influence on cal i think i mean look at the end of the day, all those players have issues, right? And I think they try to protect each other. But I don't think Joe wanted to say who he thought it was. I don't think he wanted to say it in public because I believe he was trying to protect Mark. Here, But Joe well knows. A lot of people know what it really was now. But nobody won't admit. Nobody will come back and say, Key, we apologize. You know what I mean? Nobody's apologizing to me. And then what so when was the first time that Markell said to you, he thought
0: something was wrong with his shot? Do you remember that moment?
1: Um, He didn't I asked him we was in one of those little house gyms not not that far from his house. Was that you saw No, this was once he moved to Philly. Mm-hmm. This was once he moved to Philly and um, he would he wasn't shooting the ball properly. And I thought he was just playing at first. And there were some kids in there. So again, me forever trying to protect him and his brand. I was like, what's wrong? And, uh, you know, I've been quoted a couple times as telling this story. And I was like, what's wrong? He was like, it feels like somebody's holding my arms down. And that was kind of a, he was so right. I don't think he realized. And I, I think that was when he was at his most honest moment. You think that was like so, an
0: emotional parallel?
1: Yes, because if he would have said something hurt, that would be different. But he didn't say anything hurt. Mm-hmm. He said, it feels like somebody's holding my arms down.
0: Did you get did you know at that moment, maybe what he meant? Or
1: were you confused? At that moment, I did not know. But I knew something was really wrong, because I've never heard nobody explained anything like that. So I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know to what extent. And it wouldn't be till probably a year later to a doctor told me, you know, like Keith, what do you think he meant by that? Right. And do you, do you got a person in mind you think fits that person that's holding his arms? And then I was like, whoa, you know, so, you yeah. know, it's been it's been interesting. I, I, I feel bad because I love the kid that he had to go through all these things. And I, again, I'm not Superman. I was just I was just the right man to work with him. I had the right personality to work with him. And I think for his career, I think it would have been great if everything would have been kind of left in place. When you look at Tatum and these guys, they've made mistakes. You know, they had babies early and stuff like that. But their families kind of just allowed them to just live through it. It's life, right? It's life. You just support them. And I think most of the kids, that their circle stay the same. Because that's, that's the biggest thing about turning pro is it's not the players. They've been playing basketball all their life. It's the people around them and the jockeying for position. All that type of stuff that um, goes on behind the scenes that you know that the average fan doesn't have a clue about.
0: People, people often wonder what the roles are in the Sixers front office.
1: What mm-hmm. was what was your experience with somebody like Ned Cohen? I mean, my my understanding of Ned was that he was a, he was really a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a basketball guy. He pretty much stuck to probably the, the, the rule of thumb out of a book. Not so much basketball, but I didn't have any. Initially, I didn't have any uh bad things. I mean, we sat right with Ned and them at Summer League. And as soon as Markel hit a shot, they were looking at me like, yeah, like they were happy. Because as you know, Ben didn't score like that in Summer League. No. He, he didn't even play that much. So I think I think they were happy to mm-hmm. that extent. And Mark Eversley was pushing
0: to draft him as well, right? I think. Yeah, Mark,
1: no, Mark loved Mark Hill. I mean, he came, he scouted him a lot, and he believed in him. And ultimately, Mark was right, but well, Mark didn't have any power. That's just the reality. And that's no knock on Mark. He just, thank God, now he's able to get out of there. And he's in, now he's... uh. He's got a new job and he'll be, he should be fine.
0: What power do you think he was missing in Philadelphia?
1: I just don't think when the chips got down, I don't think people believed him. They didn't believe him or Markel, but nobody wanted to look past whatever Brian said. Nobody wanted to be on, I mean, I take that back. There were some people, but you know, the NBA team is like a gang. <laughs> you ain't gonna get nobody to go against the higher ups, but. There were some people who spoke on my behalf, you know, behind closed doors. They, they, they knew what it was. You know, it still doesn't make any sense. You know, for all we talk about, Marquea average 13, 14 this year. That's about that's what he would have averaged in Philly if he would have just played a lot, you know, played more. He averaged six or seven coming off the bench. It's the same thing. He's he's not he's not a better player. He's just playing more minutes. Orlando's being gracious. Everything I've heard is that. They don't. They don't deal with negativity. If somebody asks them a question, they 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 pretty much just walk away from it. So, for him, that's a great thing. But I think he owes them that much to actually try to figure out what his real what his problems are and, and make the best of it. Because I think that starting job is his if he wants it. But we can only we only can you know take up for you so long. You got to give us something back.
0: Uh. Tanking to the top talks about how Kel groaned when he learned Philadelphia was trading up and he didn't necessarily want a big market and he didn't want to be so close to home. Why do you think that that was? If that's true.
1: Um, well, I was the one even once. Um, obviously I thought he was going to Boston way before the thing I said, you're going to go to Boston. But then, once the, uh, the stuff the, uh, with the name. no, once the lottery balls went down, mm-hmm. we got a chance. And what happened was we met Joel at the lottery..
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Joel was really warm, and I could see uh, Marquel's face and when we had dinner with the uh reporter for the washington uh washington post that that night i was like he was asking me what's the best team and remember we had come to watch a game live game myself carol and one of his buddies and philly had always seemed like the right right place and so i'm quoted as saying that Philly's the best spot. So that that the crazy thing about Brian going against me was Brian, we on the same team, brother. You, <clears throat> I told people when it was me, him, and Danny on the phone. He, you know, Danny wanted to drag shit out. He was like, "No, nah, he'll he'll never put on a Boston hat." So I, I'm thinking, the man, this is perfect. Danny H- ain't told you want. that he'll never put on a Boston. No, no, no. That's what that's what Brian said. Danny um. was like, "Let's do it at the drag." He was like, "No, no, no." Let's do it now. And so um, I, I thought, man, Brian was on the same page. It, 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 I could not believe that he turned on me when I was all for him. When did you all learn?
0: 50. When did you learn about the what the burner tweets were saying about you?
1: Well, I, I I'm fifty, so I I wasn't on Twitter and <laughs> all that nonsense. You know, it wasn't until they actually hit the fan that I got a chance to see what was being said. Somebody said yeah, it but, to you. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Um, so that's when I that's when I found out. I didn't know. I didn't know none of that.
0: Were you worried like, people? From, were you worried people were going to associate that being true?
1: Um, they. I mean, they, they wanted to believe it. They wanted to believe it. Some but people it was probably it was, still do. Uh yes, yeah. Somebody that wants to believe that, but I mean, once you look at the facts, you know, it's it's no truth. I I mean, it was hiccups along the way. It was stuff being said uh, by the head coach, and then him pulling back, saying you know, saying he didn't say that. They made mention of you know, mental some mental issues with Juankiel. You know. There were so, leaks
0: coming out that would say that the team is calling it an injury, but they all believe it's, it's mental. I would read things yeah, like that and think,
1: sure.
0: who's leaking this? Is the team right. leaking
1: this? Right. No, it wasn't the team. but They didn't want nobody to think otherwise. They wanted it to be firmly put on me. And that's the crazy thing. I've worked with some of the best players. So how do I get them to know I'm pick and then I forget what to do with him?
0: So do, would you say that the Sixers mishandled the Markel Fultz situation?
1: I would think they mishandled probably most of them, but Joel, remember they had they had they, they, it was a lot of issues going on with him and Joel, with them and Joel, them and Ben, with them and them them and Jaleel Okafor, you know what I mean? So I think it wasn't it, it wasn't a Markel thing, I think. They never knew what to do with those young players. You think they had problems even bigger than Markel? Yeah, way bigger.
0: More of a, syst- a systemic organizational issue?
1: No question.
0: What do you think I mean, they need to fix?
1: I just think, you know, the NBA is about narratives now, that they build a certain narrative and that's what they run with, true or false. Mm-hmm. But you're dealing with humans, they're not actors. These are human beings. and. All of them are not good for every skit. You know what I mean? A young player needs a hub. You know what I mean? A young player is not going to be motivated by some negativity. Now, an older player may be, but the way these kids are now, they all are so sensitive. Even up to LeBron, you say something about him, he's, he's got to come back and say something. He's got to say something immediately, you know? So I think they all really are sensitive, and, and they're they coming up in a different age. Social media it's really big now. So. It changes it, the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The word gets out there so quick, you know. But, um, I mean, they still ain't got a championship. So you can't blame Marquette. You made these moves. Funny thing about it, had they just kept him, I think they would have been better position to win. In spite of the fact that he's not 100%. But he can make plays. He can get where he wants. He's a real point guard. He can find people. He can take advantage of his height. If you need a bucket, he can post up a guard and shoot over top of him. Obviously, when he's close to the rim, he doesn't have those same issues. And that that, that in itself should have told people that, okay, maybe this is not physical. As you and I know if you got a real shoulder injury, you can't lift your arm up nowhere. Now, he can lift his arm with a dunk and wear back and dunk real hard, but he can't shoot the ball, something that's really delicate. It something that doesn't take any real force.
0: He was taking, you know, three-quarter cord heaves over his shoulder in practice back then. Uh, I always wondered about how come his pull-up very close to the hoop would look smooth, but his standing shot, his free throw, and his three-pointer, his set shot, would look so low and different.
1: What did you, have, you I, make of that? I think the longer he had to think about it, the more it messed him up. Mm-hmm. The short <laughs> shots, you don't think. You jump up, you shoot, it's gone. Just pull up. Did you he's ever
0: did you quit. ever take a step back and think, well, first of all, how how is your relationship with Markel now?
1: Uh, it's definitely not where it was. I think, I, like I said, I think he's stuck in a situation where he listens to other people instead of probably listening to his own heart.
0: Do you ever wonder if he had been drafted by Phoenix or LA or Boston, things might've been different. Or do you think it was inevitable this way?
1: I uh, think, I think I should have worked on the other people a little bit around him more than I worked on him. He what, was fine. He
0: what was specifically fine. do you regret not doing?
1: Probably not talking to his mom or, trying to get her ready for what was going to happen, trying to get her ready to understand it. As soon as he's worth money, everything I did is going to be wrong. Yeah. Do you miss him? Yeah, for sure, for sure. But it obviously is different now, you know, because years have gone by and I'm sure it been hurt feelings on both sides. So it's different, but I mean, even when I watch him, I'm, I'm happy when he does well, like he did well against um, the Lakers, you know, when he bumped LeBron out the way. Something that I've, I've told him way back when he was little, like most of these guys ain't what you think they are. You just got to go at them to find out. Yeah. Uh, but – um,
0: What do you think do – you, do you think there was ever any tension between um, Markell and any of his teammates?
1: I don't think – any tension, but I'm sure they probably looked at him differently. You know, they are young men and they, again, they all go through the same thing. So I'm sure some of us probably wonder why he might not be handling the situation better. But again, Markel's a great kid. He he loves his mom. He loves his family. So you can't be mad at him, Um, but you, you, you will hope that he would have um, handle the situation a little bit different and not just about not just with response to me just with response to that what do you think
0: what do you think teams do to try to understand better a player's life like i think maybe i read somewhere that teams were trying to suss out or were concerned about demarcus cousins You know, personality. Do you know that they were asking specific questions or doing certain types of interviews? Did Boston do something like that to learn about Markel and try to understand what was going on in their personal lives?
1: I mean, I think most of them are lazy. I think they, you know, everything was good. Everybody knew I had been around the sport. I worked with some really good players. So I I don't think there were any, there weren't any concerns. Uh, about Mark because they knew I had been in the sport. I, you know, I, I had been around good players. I mean, even Demarcus. Demarcus, that they, they misread him just because whatever they saw. But Demarcus is a good, good kid, a good, a good young man. I mean, people thought he was going to get locked up and all these things, but to this day, he's never been arrested. You know, he don't got no drug problem or nothing like that. And mostly everything that happened with mark the Marcus happened on the basketball court wanting to win um, he was
0: he was probably primed for a max contract and then wound up with you know a very a very small one year prove it deal that's mm-hmm. got to have been difficult for him
1: with these injuries well he's he's a fighter, so um he's gonna fight through it, but of course i mean. A lot of guys that got paid, he was playing better than, you know, he, he's been an all NBA performer, he's been all star. He did he did a lot of things that people never thought he would do, you know. People thought he was gonna be like Oliver Miller, you know, they thought he was that lazy. But what they what they didn't realize, he was that talented, you know. Really, yeah. really talented player. And now I look at we look at Joe Kick, who's having a great season. And to me, Joker is a poor man's DeMarcus, because DeMarcus mm-hmm. is the same player, but more dynamic. You know what I mean? But the same thing, great at passing, can shoot the ball, mm-hmm. you know, understands the game really well. Dominant awesome two way player. Yeah. Huh?
0: Do you do you have any sense? I, I know he said he's always liked to play for Washington, but he also wants to contend. Do you have any sense where he might wind up?
1: Well, I I want him just to Build his brand back up. You know, yeah. I think on winning teams, I think he becomes a bit player, and which means you're going to continue to get bit money. I think he's better trying to get with a team just on the playoff fringe. And team like helping, Washington. Yeah, helping them get in mm-hmm. and having solid stats, playing with other good players. Obviously, we prove, you know, what, about the what we already know. I mean, the Knicks right now don't have anything, but I don't think he's, you know, worried about where. He's just hoping that the situation is good, that he can, you know, he can contribute to a good team and show people he still got it, you know. He's not over the hill.
0: All right, we're coming up on time. Do you do you have anything that you'd like to plug? Are you working on anything?
1: No, that's about it. At 51, I'm up. A, I'm a, I'm going to keep on plugging the way I'm plugging. And, you know, God has been good to me, and he continues to put me in situations where I'm around really good young players. And for me, you know, the job become easy, obviously. And being with DeMarcus all those years, it made it easy when it was time for Kidd, because I saw how the game was played from the high school level. And I don't mean the actual game. I'm talking about the politics around the game. I realized what it was and I was able to, you know, manipulate the situation and put my guy in the best possible position. There's a whole world that fans who just watch the games on TV don't know about, isn't there? Nah, they don't. They don't have a clue. <laughs> basketball is NBA but it's just so much more. And obviously the more money at stake, the more nonsense that you had to go through. Do you feel
0: do you ever feel jaded and cynical? Like I've I've seen all this stuff happen.
1: Ain't no question. I mean, for everything great about San Antonio, they did Kawhi wrong. And I think I'm not going to say they wish bad on him, but I know they didn't want him to turn around and leave and win the championship, which would have meant that it wasn't Kawhi. It wasn't Kawhi's fault. And I think a lot of it had to do with, again, Kawhi's situation was unconventional. His, His uncle had become his agent. And, I, and the NBA doesn't seem to deal well with change. They don't seem to deal well with change.
0: I think if, if you had to learn a lesson from each of the Markel faults and the Kawhi Leonard and San Antonio situation, it would be don't, don't try to use the media. Don't try to do anything to publicly uh, pressure somebody. You, know, right. you had, right. You had some people in San Antonio saying we want him to be playing. He even had his teammates saying that at one point. Right. Well, no, no, that, was,
1: put, that was pop. That was pop. Don't, 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 don't bite on that. That was Pop putting it in their ear to say something.
0: But then Tony Parker came out and said, hey, I tore my quad completely and I'm back. Yeah. And so if I were Kawhi, I would have heard that. And I thought, I got a chronic issue. I didn't tear and then heal. Mine is just always. It's always been there. It's always been there. It's, yep. been there. it's different. Uh, and then, you know, with Keller, it, it did feel like they would say, look, it's, it's the shoulder irritation. It's indefinite. And then you would read the next day. Sources say the team believes this is in his head and you would think well, uh, and I, uh, I don't think
1: I, I don't think they knew what they wanted to do. They wanted him to be able to play and he wasn't able because they didn't give him the, the right help. Yeah, I had all that, you know, they had all these new doctors and all this stuff. And remember, Philly never diagnosed him with anything. All right. their doctors and they had a new set of doctors, as you know, if you can research that. They spent all this money on their doctors and they were, uh, weren't able to find anything. Markel had to go to five or six doctors to for one to finally say, this is what it is.
0: So when he went to Kentucky, he had been other places
1: first? Uh, Kentucky was the first place, but you know, he was okay. in New York, he was, you know, he was around. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that it's, it's ironic that the team doctors didn't find anything, nothing. So, again, it sounds like, you know, somebody had to come up with a narrative that they could drag it on. I think that I think everybody's playing well. We're going to drag it on long enough for him to figure it back out. Problem right. is he, he hasn't figured it back out just yet. He's playing well. He's, he's playing well. He's, he's a helpful player. Yeah, but he's not. He's not who he said he. No, he's not who he He's not who we watched. He's not who we watched at Washington.
0: He he was he was legit. He was my favorite player in that draft. Right. Um. All right, Keith. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on.
1: No, no worries. No worries, man. All I'm trying to do is is just get the information out there it. because it, uh, we can't change Markel's situation, but hopefully a parent or a kid is listening to this and realize, you know, sometimes your circle is very important. You look at all the great players, they got the same circle. They didn't change. LeBron James, Shaq had the same agent his whole career. Michael Jordan had the same age. You know, you, you got to keep your circle tight. And the circle might not be perfect, but at least you know, everybody's issues within the circle already
0: yeah all right on that note appreciate you man all
1: right take care dave all right right.
0: more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals